Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast podcast. Uh, thank you so much for all your support. Uh, the support keeps growing every single week, and I'm so grateful for that. And I really do appreciate you guys listening and also sharing this with people that you may know that want to hear the message. Uh, as usual, I have another amazing guest today for you guys to hear uh, and learn from. His name's Jamal Jackson. So, Good morning, Jamal. Good morning. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. It's uh, bright and early. I do these really early, so it's funny when I ask my guests to come on, you're like, How, what time are we getting in here? Uh, yeah, early. Um, but it's a great way to start the day. Um, i um excited. Uh, I've known Jamal now for probably close to three years, maybe a little longer. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe almost four years. Um Jamal has an amazing story. He's an amazing individual. Uh, he's doing great things in his life right now, but it uh, wasn't always so. Um, he has had some pretty tough times in his life, and he's going to talk about a few of those things and kind of how he overcame. And But uh, I'm just grateful uh, for the opportunity for you to be here. So thanks for uh, being willing to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Yeah. So um, how's things going, man? <laughs> things are good. Things are really good now. Yeah. You know, my life is, is unbelievable. About to take off, go to Jamaica today. Oh, is that today? That is today. Dude, so you're lucky yeah, you. Yeah, I'm uh, excited. Can't wait to get there. And have you been there life. before? Nope, never been there. Really? Been to a few other places, but haven't been to Jamaica yet. Yeah, so wow. It's going to be good. Yeah, I've been to, I went to Grand Cayman long, many years ago, which is Close to Jamaica, I think mm -hmm. it's kind of yeah. in that in those islands around there, and it was amazing. Like the weather, the water's warm. It's yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's where that's another place where I'm trying to go is to the Grand Canyon. So yeah, wow. maybe in the near future, hopefully. Very so, cool. Um, gone for a week or so, or um, till next Friday, something like that. So cool. yeah, sounds like fun, man. Yeah. Is it just you and your wife? No, unfortunately, we take the kids this time. <laughs> kids, hopefully you didn't hear that. <laughs> hey, oh well, I'd rather spend the time with my wife you know, in yeah. places like that. Yeah. But no, it's for my son's graduation this year, so oh, that's right what we're doing for him post-graduation. Oh, what a great thing to do. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, awesome. Well, let's uh, tell us a little bit about you, know, you Jamal, like kind of where you grew up and, and a little bit about your family life. Um, I grew up in Inglewood, California. Um, my, they call him, a lot of people like to say stepfather, but he's my father because mm -hmm. he raised me because my biological father wasn't in my life um, oh. from an early age. Really? And so... Um, Have you ever met your biological father? Yeah, I met oh, him. Uh, okay. He was in my life till probably the... I want to say maybe maybe the sixth grade in and I'm gonna say in and out of my life until about the sixth grade. Oh, okay. Um, my mother and father were on drugs. It was in the early '80s when the crack mm -hmm. blew up and everything, and they uh, used to have these parties at our house, and my mother would grab me and my sister on Fridays, and take us to either McDonald's or this place called Brawley Hut and get us food and come back to the house. And they'd be like, don't come in the kitchen. Like, okay. So we would sit in the living room, eat our food, and they would start smoking that shit. And really? mother and father and 
cousins or whoever friends would be over. It's like we can't. They think that we couldn't smell the stuff inside the living room when the living room was right <laughs> next to the kitchen. Yeah. It's like we know what you guys are doing. Yeah. You know, and so. How, how young were you uh, when you realized that was going on? Were you really young? Yeah, we were. I was third grade. Oh, third wow. grade. Sister was probably fourth or fifth grade, something like that. But yeah. So, so just you and your sister, do you have one sister? Uh, yeah, I have one sister by my biological father, and then I have another sister by the father who raised me. Gotcha. So. So in third, I mean, was that a scary time for you, like knowing that something like that was going on in the kitchen, or did you not really comprehend it? I didn't didn't really comprehend it. Mm-hmm. So it was just it was almost like normal. Okay. It was almost like normal, and it was just well, yeah, this is what it they started were doing. that early. Yeah, yeah. just kind of like, well, this is what we do. Yeah, this is what we do. So you know, either they were leaving us in the living room or dropping us off at our grandparents' house, one of the two. So yeah, that's what what happened in my household at that age. So parents um, were they? Did they were they actually married? Yeah, they were actually okay. married. And then you said he was your dad was in and out of your life up until around the sixth grade. Did. Parents get divorced in sixth grade or before parents, that? Parents got divorced before that. Okay. Yeah. Um, they divorced. My mother took my sister because I wanted to stay with my father. And my mother and my sister bounced around a little bit from place to place trying to find somewhere to stay and everything because she was struggling some. And, um, and I stayed with him. And I was basically, we were living in our own shit basically there was sometimes there was no hot water there was no lights there was no gas sometimes there was a bucket up underneath the sink catching water and stuff like that so um but that's where i wanted to be because i wanted to be with my father i wanted to be with him and so probably i want to say probably the fourth grade fifth grade maybe my mother was just like enough of this no more you need to come with me and so then that's when it was the in and out of my life. Okay. And so I would call him up. Like, I remember this so vividly. I remember calling him up and being like, are you coming to get me this weekend? He was like, yeah, I'll be there Friday to pick you up from school. Because my mother worked at a school. And so I would just sit, I would get out of school and I would just sit in the front of the school and for hours and hours and hours would go by my mother would come back out and be like baby he's not coming be like yes he is he's coming trust me he's coming and i would just sit out there and just sit out there and never show up yeah. and so she'd be like come on let's go we're going home and i'd be like but he's coming but he's coming it's like nine ten o'clock at night yeah and everything and she's like no he's not coming back and so that happened constantly constantly so, so when he wouldn't show up that night were you, were you crushed would you go in your room and cry or um I mean how did you handle that I was just I was just I would almost like forgive him because yeah. I would be like oh maybe he was doing something and just maybe forgot to call me I was justifying it that yeah, way yeah you kind of create a story that oh something happened and that's why I didn't show yeah. he'll be here tomorrow yeah or, yeah, he'll, uh, yeah I was definitely doing that in my yeah. mind and and at the same time I was taking my frustration and anger out on my mother, and she had nothing to do with it. And all she was doing was just trying to protect me and love me. Yeah. Like, 
like a mother always does. Right, so, right. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and this went on for a long time, this kind of pattern? This went on, yeah, this pattern went on for a long time until probably I was about, what is it, 16 maybe, 16, okay. 17, something yeah. like that. And almost, I got a chance to talk to him. Not face to face, but over the phone. I was at my grandmother's house, and we were visiting her. And he just happened to call. My grandmother was like, "Ma, answer the phone." And I was like, "Okay." I pick up the phone. Sure enough, it's him. And everything inside of me, I just unleashed on him. And I had never ever cussed in front of my grandmother before. And I was just going off on him on the phone. Yeah. And. Just hung up the phone on him and everything, and yeah. never spoke to him again. Really? I haven't talked to that man in probably thirty-five years, thirty-five really? plus years. Yeah. And, and how old were you when this happened at your grandma's? When you picked up the I phone, was probably, 16? I was probably about sixteen or so years old. Yeah. So, so you haven't talked to him since that phone call, basically. Since that phone call. Wow. So, oh, wow. I, I can't even imagine how that how. How much that affected you and how bad that hurt it it gave me some I thought it gave me some some relief I thought it all of that would go away after I got to, to say my piece to him but as I got older I turned into the person I didn't want to turn into yeah. and that was his ass yeah you really? know? yeah so let's talk about that what what because usually obviously when, when a, any kid goes through something like you've been going through, obviously they get angry, they're hurt, they're fearing, all this stuff, and then they start acting out typically in an unhealthy way. So let's talk about that a little bit, like what that kind of led to, this kind of hurt you were feeling inside because of what went on. What what kind of things does this get you caught up in? And this, this basically, this is, I don't want to say this is where all the, the drugs and alcohol started from, because there was previous times that I know that I had drank at a younger age and stuff like that. But I just think all the hurt inside really pushed it forward. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think I really did. I don't know. It wasn't. I think it just fueled it. Mm-hmm. It fueled it more. And I didn't think it was fueling it because I was just drinking to have fun and doing the cocaine to have fun and stuff like that. But as as I got older and after I came out of rehab and stuff, I I think about this stuff. Right, yeah. I think about it now. And and that definitely played a big part in it. Mm-hmm. Him not being in my life, me being mad and angry at the people that actually loved me and raised me mm-hmm. and, and gave me a roof over my head and food in my mouth and stuff. I would take all my anger and stuff out on them because he wasn't in my life, right. you know, so it was. So when did you start, I guess, doing drugs and things like that? Did that start at a young age? Uh, you know, it's... Um, yeah, my first drink was probably around the third grade. With really? Some, yeah, with some older kids. Uh, we went over to the high school that I lived across the street from, and they had this this alcohol called silver satin and mix it with Kool-Aid and go over there, drink some of that. And first time I smoked weed was over there too. 
when I was like in the third grade. Third grade, wow. Third grade, yeah. yeah. And it just, it just kind of went from there. Yeah, third grade. I mean, I mean, I know that's. I mean, that happens a lot, unfortunately. But I mean, usually kids in third grade, you're always playing hopscotch and yeah, exactly, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but you're you know, you're experimenting already with alcohol and drugs and yeah. You know, and your parents were caught up in that too, and yep. you knew something was up there. So, like you said, it almost felt like this environment you were in. This is just normal. Yeah, this, this is what is we do. Normal. Yeah, and just yeah. and just kept growing up because even even after that, when my uh, father who raised me, we would. I remember a time vividly. Again, we would go over to to our to his cousin's house. And he stopped at the liquor store. He grabs a little pint of Crown, and and I turned around. And I asked him. I was like, "Well, can I get a beer too?" And he's like, "Yeah." So I got ready to grab a forty ounce off the <laughs> off the shelf. He was like, "No, no, put that back. That's too much beer." That's as tall as you. Right? Yeah, you know. And so I grabbed a six pack of Mickey's Big Mouth. And so I don't think he actually did the math on how much alcohol <laughs> I was about to try to drink, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, we get to his cousin's house and we're sitting there chit-chatting, watching the Raider game or whatever. Uh-huh. They pour up their drinks, whoosh, crack open the Mickey Big Mouth, and I'm sitting there drinking Mickey Big Mouth. So I probably drank like three of them and everything, and wow. I was like feeling all nice and good and everything. And uh-huh. it's been several occasions like that to mm-hmm. where it's been okay. And yeah. and growing, if you grow up like that, then it almost becomes like the norm. Right. You know, every time a family function would happen, I'm on the cooler where all the alcohol is sitting there, guzzling a beer down or or a wine cooler or something down while everybody else is off at the party or something like yeah. that. So wow. it was just, it was almost like natural. Yeah. And I think, I didn't know at the time probably, but I think that was just triggering it from an early age. Oh yeah, you know. So yeah, and then that led into you trying harder drugs. Oh yeah, or experimenting with them. And, yeah, right. Definitely. Um, Talk about that a little bit, like how this progressed. You probably, know, from that point. probably sixteen high school, uh, ninth grade, I guess. Um, it was. Almost every day, almost right. I was getting a ride from somebody. Would stop at the liquor store, get a forty ounce. I was drinking a forty ounce of beer almost every day before I went to to first period of school. Wow. Um, hook up with some different friends, and we're drinking a forty ounce and smoking some reefer before go to class or whatever yeah. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And that just progressed, and it wind up getting me kicked out of kicked out of that school because I wasn't going to class enough to to stay there or whatever. And so go to another school and now I'm living right across the street from the school I was going to. And so now it's just like, okay, I don't have to get up and go to school till eight Mm o'clock. There's a little something in the cupboard. I'm going to up one, have a drink, and then I'll go to school. And yeah. these are the type of things that I was doing, and yeah. this went on and on and on. And did, did your mom know that this was going on with you? 
she knew something was wrong because I was just acting out so much and getting into so much trouble mm-hmm. to where she finally was like, enough is enough. And she put me out the house. Really? What, how old were you? I was, I was 16 when she put me out the house. Because really? I was like, just doing, kicked you out said, see Yeah, it. she was like, they were like, enough is enough. Well, was she, because she was doing drugs when you're, she was with your dad. Did she end up quitting all that? Yeah, she quit all of that and got herself together, got her oh, life really? back together and everything. Okay. Yeah. So. When, did, when did she marry your stepdad? Uh, probably, they, probably, when I was in the, she married him sometime in junior high school, I want to say. Okay. Something like that, because they've been married for a while now. Yeah. Sometime in junior high school. And are they still together now? Still together now. Is your mom still in California? Still in California. Yeah. Yeah. How's your relationship with your mom right now? You know, oh, she, she's like my best friend. Oh, I right. call and talk to her about everything. I talk to both of them about everything because yeah. that's the type of relationship that... So he feels like your dad. Like, like you said that earlier that, you know, I don't really look at him as a stepdad because he really, he really ended up being like what a dad would be. Yeah, you, yeah, he, right? yeah. He basically was giving me... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Showing me how to be a man, okay. trying to raise me as a man. He was taking care of my my sisters and my and my mother because I got a younger sister because they wind up having a child together, and so. But he was just giving me guidance and love that that I was rejecting so much until later on in life. I kind of I came to I realized that this man actually does love me. This man actually is the one who's been here for me. He's the one that came to all my my baseball games and football right. games and baseball and basketball games. He's the one that's been here for me doing all of this stuff. Yeah. He's the one that's been here like, look, you shouldn't be doing this, trying to discipline me and stuff like that and just giving me some guidance in life. And, mm-hmm. and I rejected that for a long time, for a very, very long time. But sure, I bet. Now, now... I love both of them to death. Yeah. I love both of them to death, and they're like yeah. my best friend. They really that's, are. That's so. awesome. Very cool. Um, so your mom boots you out of the house around 16 or whatever. Where'd you go? I was just in the streets. Really? Yeah, I was in the streets for a little while, but the funny thing is I was breaking back into the house. When they would <laughs> leave, they would leave. I would break back into the house, take a shower, do whatever I need to do, get something eat to some eat, food. eat some food, <laughs> sleep for a little while because I knew what time they were coming home and stuff like that. And so I would leave back out of the house <laughs> when they were like, the pretty good deal. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was just out there. I was with a go over to a buddy's house, stay with him for a while and stuff like that. And this uh-huh. happened for a while. And then I got in trouble. And oh, man, got in trouble. They take me home. Well, I was sitting at the police station. Okay. And the cop was like, you got to call your mother, your father, tell them to come get you. And I was sitting there. I was like, dude, they're not coming to get me. He's like, he's like, what do you mean they're not coming to get you? I was like, just what I just said. They're you, not coming to get me. Call them, but they ain't coming. <laughs> yeah, and sure enough, <laughs> he called my mother. My mother answers the phone. And he was like, this is the Police Department. We have your son down here. She was like, keep his ass by. Hung up the phone. Really? Really. 
Yep, I was sitting right next to him. You go, I told you. Yeah, that's exactly what came out of my mouth, man. I was like, I told you. And I was sitting in the chair like this, and I started twirling around <laughs> and stuff inside the police station and everything. And so probably about an hour or two goes by. He was like, I'm going to try your mother again. Tell her to come and get you. I was like, dude, you might as well just book me. Do what you want to do with me because she's yeah. not coming. Sure enough, he called my mother again. He's like, Motherfucker, didn't I tell your ass? Don't call me no more. Hung up the phone. Wow. And I'm sitting there listening to all of it while he's, I turn around, start twirling in the chair again. I was like, dude, I told you she's not coming to get me. He was like, well, we can't book you because you're too young and this, that, and the other. And so I sat there probably till about eight o'clock and goes and dropped me off at the house. She looks at me. She opens up the door, lets me in. She's like, Take a shower, get dressed, take your ass to school. And I went to school. Probably stayed there for half the day. Mm-hmm. Left and started going to do my own thing. Do your thing again. Wow. Yeah. So were you getting in trouble a lot? Uh, did that continue from that point? Did you um with the law and stuff that, like that? That that time, I basically she shipped me off to job corps. After that, okay. because it was a possession. With a with a weapon or whatnot and everything, and she shipped me off to Job Corps here and everything and here here in Clearfield, Utah, oh, Job okay. Corps, and I had to and uh, they basically said that I could not come back to California because I was a menace to society, <laughs> and it was and it was like the second time that I'd ever been in trouble or yeah. whatever. And so, well, I laugh because, you know, people who know you now, I mean, you're completely opposite of that. Like you're like the nicest guy. <laughs> you wouldn't hurt a flea. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you, know? you just do good things. And so that's why I'm laughing a little bit. Cause it's hard for me to picture you doing that stuff, but, but I get it. You know, you were going through a lot at that age and what have you. And, so from that point forward, had you always stayed here then? From um, that point forward, did you go back to California? No, I wind up going back to California. I wind up going back to California doing school and everything. Mm-hmm. Then I found out that the girl that I was dating or whatever was pregnant. And so I was like, okay. The timeline that she told me that she got pregnant didn't match the timeline that we were together. And I was like, that ain't my child. I was mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. You know, don't mess with me no more. Don't call me no more, mm-hmm. basically. And so she has the child. I go back. Sure enough, my daughter looks a spitting image of me. She looks <laughs> just like me. She right. really does. And so you're done. Come back here. Start raising how, the kid. How old were you when that happened? Uh, when when you, I came back. Yeah, when you came back and you, you had the child. Eighteen, I think, somewhere so up in there. Really young. Yeah, really young. Yeah. yeah. So was that a scary time too? I mean, here you are, eighteen. You've been in trouble. You've been all this stuff going on. You're doing drugs. You're drinking. Um, and now you got to be a dad all of a sudden. Actually, it kind of it kind of sobered me up. Actually, okay. Because she was when I came back, she was still drinking and smoking weed and stuff like that. And I really didn't want any part of that because mm. we had a child. I was like, we need to raise this child and stuff and everything. And and I really wasn't into the drug and alcohol scene, probably not until it was almost like they didn't want me to raise my child, her and her mother kind of or whatever. 
because her grand, her mother always had our child, always. And so it got to the point to where I did start drinking and mm-hmm. smoking again and stuff like that. Yeah. And so that just kind of fueled a lot of stuff in that relationship too. Well, what's interesting, and, and again, you already know this, and I know you're tough enough to hear this, but it's you kind of almost started turning into how your dad was. Oh, yeah. Like you kind of t- – because – he was kind of do, your dad. Kind of did the same thing. He has you, and and he's doing drugs with your mom, and then he's he's not he's in and out of the house. Yep. yep. You're kind of going down that road. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I can. And that was the thing. And I could see it. I could see yeah. it and everything. And and I would always tell myself, "Don't be like your dad. Don't be like him. Don't be like him." But. It happened. Yeah. It happened, and it and it happened for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. You know, even with my two kids, well, my oldest son, it happened a lot with him. So, because that's the drugs really kicked in when I had him and stuff like that, and it went on for twenty-three. For probably about another fifteen or so plus years. Okay. So, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, and so, meaning you 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 were doing the drugs after you had him. You got back into the drugs and the drinking and the yep. And that went on for fifteen years of his life. Yep, fifteen gotcha. years of okay. his life. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. Um, so, let's kind of jump ahead just a little bit. Um, so now you have two kids at this point, mm-hmm. right? Your daughter mm-hmm. and your son. Mm-hmm. And then um, kind of take us from there. Where, where did life go from there? What what happened? You know, you, you, you've been doing drugs for 15 years. Your son's now 15 years old. It's interesting that you, know, you had that call with your dad at 16, and it was the last time you ever talked to him. Yeah. Um, you know, so let's talk Probably from there, probably 15 when he turned 15, that's basically when I got my life together. Mm-hmm. That's basically when um, my wife had had enough. She was done dealing with the lies and running around in the streets and, and stuff like that. And she was like, it's time to get some help. And and as you know, that's when I came into Wasatch, basically. Yeah. Came into Wasatch and... Yeah. Uh, did sixty days in Wasatch. And yeah, and and for the listeners, we're currently live at Wasatch Recovery, um, which is a treatment center for people who are struggling with addictions and on you know on with any substance basically. And Jamal, um, I think you left. I mean, probably the month right before I started working here. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, I think you yeah. left in like January. No, I left in February. So I think I started the week after you left. Yeah, because I started yeah. in February. Yep. But I had heard about hey, you know, everyone's talking about this Jamal guy because you, know, <laughs> you really left a an imprint on this place. <laughs> probably some of the probably just some of the stories and yeah. some of the stuff that I asked for while yeah. I was here. So yeah. yeah. So you know, and so that's when I started to get to know you a little bit and we mm-hmm. rubbed shoulders a little bit. I heard you share your story a few times here at Wasatch and still didn't know you very well. And then you started working here 
-hmm. And over the years, now we've just become really good friends, and I know you really well now. And, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a story I want you to share, <laughs> and I, there's so much more to your story, and this is fascinating, and I love what you're talking about. I, I mean, I wish we had four hours today to really get into all of this, and I'm, I'll just have you back on. We'll just kind of fill in the gaps, but there's a story that you shared in Family Night here to the residents and their family members, and... I mean, I always titled the talk Seven Bucks. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So talk yeah. about Seven Bucks. Just seven, give a little background on that. Seven Bucks. Um, I had went through through Wasatch. I was doing IOP at the time. And I come into IOP one night, just happy as I want to be, just on mm -hmm. top of the world, on fire. And everybody's like, why are you so happy? What's wrong with you and everything? And I was like, my wife gave me seven bucks. <laughs> I was like, my wife gave me seven dollars. And they was like, yeah, yeah, so what? She gave you seven dollars. And I was just so excited that she gave me that seven dollars because I was doing something right in life. Yeah. I was doing everything that I was supposed to do in life. And I got my wife trust back. After all these years of all the the screwing up, after all the mm -hmm. drugs, after all the late nights, not coming home, not being a father, not being a husband, and she finally trusted me again enough to give me seven dollars. And yeah, you get emotional about it. I do. I really do because it's it was probably the most proudest moment of my life because she started trusting me again. She gave me her money. And I had had my own money, but when she gave me her own money, that meant so much to me. Yeah. Because I got it all back. I was getting yeah. it all back. And it's amazing. Yeah. I, and I love that woman to to no end, you know. And and she's been through there with me through thick and thin, and she's still with me and. I love that woman. I really yeah. do. Uh, you get me emotional too. <laughs> um, that really is incredible because, you know, we talk a lot about this, and you and you do too, Jamal. That I mean, happiness isn't about, you know, having a huge house and having a million dollars. And I mean, she gave you seven dollars. Seven dollars. And, and most people might go, "Well, whoop de do." Seven bucks. I mean, I you know I, I can find that change in my couch. Yeah, yeah. But what it represented to you was like, my wife trusts me. I'm back on my feet, like you said. I'm not hurting her anymore. I'm not hurting my kids anymore. Yep. You're gonna now rise up and be this guy who you're gonna show up. Yeah. And wow. I mean, because I remember when you shared that story, I, it just hit me so hard. How simple. But yet powerful that was. I mean, seven dollars. I mean, it's, it's only seven dollars, but that meant probably felt like ten million dollars in your wallet. It, it I got did. seven bucks. It in did. Here. It did. <laughs> and I held on to that seven dollars probably almost six months. I held on. Serious? To I'm serious. I'm dead serious. I held on to that seven dollars for so long. For so oh, long. Wow. I held on to that seven dollars for so long because it meant so much to me. Because it means so much to wow. me. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Yep. Seriously, that's incredible. Well, um, you know, th there's so much more to your story that I wish we could get into. But uh, I want to 
I want you to talk about maybe a belief you had growing up that really kind of kept you locked in this unhealthy behavior. I mean, granted, you went through a lot. Your dad left you when you were young, started doing drugs when you were in third grade, <laughs> I mean, getting in trouble. But a, but a loving, tough mom who, like, get out of the house until you get your life together. You ain't coming back. Yeah. I mean, what a gift that was. That was. That good, was. Good for your mom, you yeah. know. You know. Um, so what, what was a belief that maybe you had about yourself that was? I've had, I've had the belief for a long time that I would never, ever amount to anything Mm -hmm. that I would always be like my father, never amount to anything. Yeah. You know, even, even going through school, it was just like. Okay, let me just do the bare minimums and just try to skate by because I know I'm not going nowhere in life. Yeah. And that's the thought that I've always had for wow. a long time. And as much as you didn't want to be like him, you had that belief underneath the surface that, like, man, I'm going to turn out just like him. Yep. And, and I, we talk about this a lot even together with our clients and things like that where belief dictates our behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an old Latin proverb that says, believe that you have it and you have it. Mm-hmm. And so... It's interesting, you had that belief, and it almost—I mean—it became almost—it it did. It became a reality. It did, it you did. know. But you know, those that know you now, including myself, know that that's definitely not the case. So you've obviously shifted that belief. What belief do you have now that kind of empowers you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, my belief now is that I am just unstoppable. That I <laughs> I am probably like from your quote the most powerful thing in the world. You know, there's nothing that I cannot do. Yeah. Um, I am the creator of my own destiny. Yeah. I really am. So, yeah. and <clears throat> nobody else believes can keep me from going where I'm going. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. my they're they're totally just opposite yeah now. just completely flip-flopped yeah, them really um well and again like people who know you you're like you you're you come across as this nice guy you wouldn't hurt a flea you know but you're also very assertive you're not you're, you're confident yes. you know, that's the way i feel about you like you're confident that i think that's the one word if i could describe jamal and if you don't know jamal and you can hear it in his voice now but you're just a confident man it just comes from... Because he's got seven bucks in his wallet. <laughs> <laughs> $7 to take you a long way. It'll take you a long way. It sure will. But it just comes from doing the work. It just yeah. comes from putting your putting my life back together. Yeah. And that's where it stems from when you get the confidence and you work hard at something and you believe in yourself, then that's where it comes from. Yeah. It really does. I love that. I love that. Well, so I asked you earlier before we started to, to maybe give a, a challenge to our listeners, you know, something that you could, you know, share with them that maybe helped you. And then, you know, you can give them the same challenge that they, you know, that might help benefit them as well. We talked a little bit about that. I'm excited for you to share it. Um, this is for the fathers who are struggling in addiction and even if you're not struggling, mm-hmm. but take care of your kids because they need their fathers. They want their fathers. 
in their lives, no matter what you're dealing with, be be in their lives, be more than just a figure on the couch. Get up and be active with your kids. Be active in your kids' life. Show up. Show up in your kids' life. Because there's nothing. Yeah. One of the most precious things is being in your kids' life. Yeah. It really is. And yeah. it's probably it'll probably give you so much joy and happiness from doing that. It's it's incredible. Yeah, it's just simple things. It's the simple things. It really is. Wow. Well, again, like I said, people who know you, you're 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 a great husband who doesn't manipulate his wife. <laughs> Sorry, I had to Here throw we, that in there. Here we go. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, inside joke. Oh, um, man. Oh, anyway, man. <laughs> we'll, we'll get over that some other time. You can ask Jamal in person about that. Oh, um, but no, you really are. You're 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 a great husband. You're a great father. You're a great worker. You work hard. Um, you carry yourself very well. Those who know you um, love you. I mean, seriously, everyone that talks, you bring up Jamal's name. Oh, I love that guy. He's the <laughs> nicest guy in the world. I mean, truly. But what an amazing story. And I want to thank you so much for being my friend and an example to me um, in many, many ways. Um, you're making me emotional, Jamal. Um, but uh, if people wanted to reach out to you uh, who are listening that may want to have a question for you, or they might be struggling and they want to get more information. How would they reach out to you? What's the best way? Um, I'm on, I'm at LJ Inspires on Facebook, LJ Inspires on uh, Instagram, LJ Inspires LinkedIn. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that LJ Inspires, I mean, I know you're, he's, he's, you know, over the last year has been working on uh, becoming a life coach, which he is. Um, that's another thing that you've been doing. He's now helping others uh, kind of, you know, rise up and show up like he's talking about in their lives. And it's really cool to see that. And, you know, the ball's starting to roll there. He's doing he's doing speaking events now. Speaking events, yes. You know, yes. He's inspiring kids, and he really does yes. inspire. It's, he's an amazing individual. But thank you so much, dude. No, thank I mean, you. Thank my, you. My, yes. my, my blessing this morning, dude, you really inspired me that I need to show up better in my life. So thank you. No, thank you, because you have led the way for many of us that that have crossed your path. And so I just want to say thank you for letting me come and do this today, and thank you for being in my life and making me show up in life, because you definitely have shown up in life and led the way for a lot of us and, uh, and gave us a, a lot these days. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And uh so, yes, listeners, uh, thank you again for joining us. Please share this with anyone and everyone, especially maybe some fathers out there that are struggling. This will truly wake them up in, in so many ways. And uh, so love you, Jamal. Thanks love for being you on. too, man. Okay, thank brother. You.